0: Alright, and that concludes almost my impromptu half hour here at WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Um you're currently listening to Drexia with excuse me. Excuse me. Powers of the Deep from their album Grava for uh, Dance A hole. Before that was Fist Fight from his album I Want to Dance. Parapolice with A Dead Bell from their self-titled album, I believe. Um, Richard Simmons before that with Lift It Up. Yeah, Richard Simmons. Harmonic 313, Cyclotron. It's a British DJ. Uh, What is his name, anyways? Mark Pritchard, I believe. Uh, Wishing he was from Detroit. Um, I think he was responsible for the Orb as well. And many other, uh, yes, European techno stuff. Uh, Organic Karma... With Egypsin from uh, their self-titled release, Justice with Genesis from the album Across the Universe and Soul Wax, starting that whole set off. Um, I believe it now is time for some gray matters. So, in that sense, I will uh, I will turn over the reins after we pause for this brief station ID.
1: Ann Arbor, the home of free form, the indiscriminating, discriminating listener's choice in the belly of the beast. And now, some more Ben Webster.
2: Well, indeed. You are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and I am Jim Dwyer. And quite a nice spring we've been having lately, and it
1: perfect, like it's perfect weather.
2: It's going to keep easing its easing its way in. That sometimes doesn't happen here in uh, Michigan, but I know. Things are a little early this year. I can just tell because I'm going to have to cut the grass sometime this right. week. And Well, we had all that rain and a yeah.
1: sunny week, and uh, enjoy those spring flowers. The lilacs are just about ready
2: to be fully popped. Yeah, San Arbor is smelling like a fruitopia smorgasbord <laughs> of flowering trees all coming out at the same time. You don't see the uh, forsythias and the magnolias out at the same time too often. Well, we're lucky here in Michigan for this uh, gentle easing in of spring. Uh, perhaps a little bit too much uh, chit-chat over the last couple of weeks about the swine flu. Oh, boy. And the first 100 days. I mean, obviously, it's important to alert the public about what's going on with, uh, with uh, flu, the flu issue. But sounds to me like the real concern should be next year this is how these viruses mutate apparently and uh, a lot of that's interesting but one very important thing to remember about the so-called 1918 pandemic that uh killed somewhere between 35 million and 50 million people worldwide uh this was in the midst of world war 1 towards the end of right world on war the heels I. of it yeah and uh, the important uh, contributing factor here was uh rationing was going on people weren't eating uh, proper diets in a lot of places, and um, this is a contributing factor in why that so-called Spanish flu, uh, flu pandemic was so deadly. Which, by the way, was a strain of an avian flu. Yeah, and um, this, of course, has contributed, by the way, to aspects of, of why uh, HIV, uh, AIDS, has been much more uh, devastating in third-world countries. uh than uh, compromised immunosystems
1: systems from poor nutrition.
2: Exactly it, and so I no access to clean water or less access. Dare say they just don't talk about this quite enough uh, in uh, the context of some of the almost silly hysteria. Because I'm sure yeah, more people there's... have died from gun violence in the last. Uh, Ten days uh, here in America than from the swine flu. Oh, certainly. <laughs> uh, probably more people have
1: died of gun violence in the last ten days in Mexico. Oh, yeah. And have died, in, and that's where they've got the biggest numbers sure. for the, the so-called swine flu. I remember back in the '70s, of course, when the first swine flu scare came in, and you were supposed to go get inoculated with this big huge. I remember seeing the, said like a thirteen-year-old in uh, Newsweek, the big huge injection device asking my mom, are we going to be inoculated for swine flu? Nah, nah, it's just a flu. It's just a flu. And then later, of course, you found out that the CIA had, you know, used swine flu uh, bacteria Mm -hmm. to drop on Cuba to disrupt their uh, uh, animal husbandry uh, programs down there. So there's been so many scares in the health uh, area, and uh, it almost seems like sometimes people want to be scared. Uh,
2: Just the... It's something else to think about. Um, yeah, and the 75 sw- uh, swine flu epidemic or whatever pandemic hysteria was uh, it was one of those Gerald Ford debacles. He was president at the right. time. And in fact, I seem to recall he even publicly got a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there were more people that ended up getting sick from the virus and or th- there was some sort of paralytic uh Side effect that uh, affected more people than the swine flu. So there probably was an overreaction because they didn't go through the proper steps. It's interesting how uh, societies learn from mistakes. Um, and apparently, you know, this is an example, by the way, of the significance of public health uh, globally, in which there's coordinated yeah. responses as well as reporting. Uh, regarding something like this. In something which, that, had it been available in 1918, might yeah. have saved millions of lives. And you probably just didn't have that back yeah. then. The communications are different. The uh, media is certainly different, <laughs> uh, for better or worse. And, uh, well, this is one of those key areas of uh, government appropriations where we need... To sometimes uh, acknowledge that uh, it's important to spend money on public health institutions, infrastructure, and uh, this sort of, you know, the Centers for Disease Control. Right. Well, and, I, and that sort of thing. I should clarify my
1: previous statement by making a distinction between the natural function of government, which is to provide services to protect the well-being of its people, and the media's uh, tendency to uh, sensationalize and sort of over-report a story, which obviously the uh, health organizations have to, uh, you know be forward thinking in uh, preventative steps and all that sort of thing it's the sort of uh, way that hype continues to spin out in the media where just all the side stories connected to it there is of course an economic uh, side to whether or not it's a pandemic yet but the uh, recent uh, flu frenzy um because airline and travel stocks uh, take a deep hit mm-hmm. um and of course listeners familiar with the film uh, 12 monkeys there's a very disturbing connection there in that story with uh, air travel and the rapid dispersal of uh, in that case uh, highly uh, dangerous toxins not necessarily just a flu strain virus um so there is a concern there with regards to how these things spread and uh, the way in which that's uh, exacerbated by things like air travel but uh, uh, Somebody has to benefit from the fear, you think, uh, for the media to hype it so much and make it into a fear scenario. Uh, it sells papers and it probably does uh, positively affect some levels of uh, the
2: business sector. Well, hopefully they can stop leading with it and move on Indeed. to uh, more important things. Another troublesome thing last week I thought was a little bit too much made of uh, the first hundred days of Obama. Um, The 100 days thing, by the way, is a a construct that historians have used retrospectively to uh, analyze the New Deal and the the FDR thing. This is where the 100 days comes from. I'm not too sure that FDR came in uh, in early March because presidents were inaugurated at a different time back then with a, quote, 100-day plan. Uh, How ironic that uh, on the 99th day, Arlen Specter would resign or switch parties, and on the 101th day... Souter would uh, resign from the Supreme Court, which, of course, is uh, causing some political uh, earthquakes in in Washington, D.C. And let's just give a, a general brain damage award to uh, Michael Steele, chairman of the RNC. Um, I don't seem to remember the Republicans complaining or using vitriol quite as much when uh, Ben Nighthorse Campbell and uh, Richard Shelby from the infamous uh, Southern senator team that... Mm. Uh, is pro uh, Asian. Corker, McConnell, and Shelby? Yeah, the law firm that's pro uh, pro Asian auto industry and anti American openly says, yeah, let's just let General Motors fail. Uh, they switched parties opportunistically sure. shortly after the 94 elections. Uh, I don't remember any vitriol regarding them, turncoats, opportunism, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think Spectre just looked at polls. <laughs> plain and simple, and of course it's for self-preservation. Um, the G- the GOP is down to 21% nationally as a brand. It's crumbling uh, because it bears a lot of the responsibility for the economic problems that the United States is confronted with. And continues to
1: sort of linger in the taint uh, with their rhetoric, with their behavior, with their comments. I mean,
2: it's like... Th- they don't realize that they're down as low as they are. Yeah, and it's... You know still Jack, slinging. You know, Jack Kemp passed away over the weekend. Um, a respectable uh, Republican, my, in my opinion, but 100% wrong about tax cuts. <laughs> um, you know, he actually, I thought, as, as a public servant, did a pretty decent job as uh, head of the uh, Housing and Urban Development uh, Department. Under uh, the Reagan years, right? Well, under the Bush years. Oh, he right, right. actually ran for president in... Uh, 88, but was defeated, uh, ran as the VP for Dole, nominee for Dole to uh, soften up Dole's uh, <laughs> Pepsi Im- image. His uh, bristly persona. Actually, that was before he was doing Pepsi commercials yeah. and Viagra commercials. But anyway, I th- wasn't even in a commercial with Britney Spears? Yes. It yeah, it was a
1: disturbing one.
2: Troubling. <laughs> Who wears shorts? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Jack Kemp, uh, a decent guy, uh, but 100% wrong on the on the tax cuts. This is why we have these massive deficits. These are the historical facts. When Ronald Reagan inherited the presidency, the federal accumulated deficit was about $980 billion. After he left, it was $2.7 trillion. Those are the historical facts. And the GOP just wants to continue to whitewash this as if it never happened uh, under the delusion that there's somehow Ronald Reagan out there in our midst uh, about to take over and save the Republican Party. Well, you know, if it's uh, Sarah Palin, Mitt Romney, Newt Gingrich, uh, Bobby Jindal, (laughs) who uh, I think might be finished after one primetime speech, Um, They're in trouble. And, of course, they're becoming a regional party. Uh, And I might add, it's the so-called Reagan Democrats uh, in the Midwest that uh, have gotten their comeuppance with the decline of the American auto industry. Reagan didn't care about uh, American auto workers. Uh, He was selling uh, a bunch of hooey um, pig on a lipstick. Lipstick on a pig. (laughs) And that's what we got. Um, by the way, it's it's ironic that they keep calling it swine flu. Um, you know, well, the with with pork is this bizarre cloud over everything <laughs> and earmarks and all this stuff. You wonder. It's uh, well, maybe better to call it H one N one or whatever H1, it's N1. called
1: R two D two. C three flupio,
2: yeah, SDI, <laughs> the
1: SDI flu, right? Yeah, there's a, a highly toxic brain condition, or maybe the uh, SPI, the Strategic Peg Initiative. Well, yeah, I mean the Republicans have no one to blame but themselves for their own situation, and of course for the bigger crisis that we're in, or series of crises, because. Pakistan continues to shift down weird slopes in multiple directions. But as far as Specter is concerned, um, that whole party, you know, his species of Republican, the moderate Republican, is extinct, essentially, as far as the, you know daily uh, gristmill of
2: Republican rhetoric is concerned well even the mainstream Republican yeah like you wonder if Gerald Ford would even be a Republican anymore and well, their well the fact their that eyes. Barry
1: Goldwater before no. he passed away uh, was able to denounce the bulk of the Republican Party from a sort of center right position as extreme radicals itself was like at the time. Oh my God. Yeah. Who would ever thought we would see a day where Barry Goldwater would denounce the Republican party as way right of center. Uh, And yet it, it came to pass before he himself did. Uh, So it's a, it's a very different uh, party than it was even in Nixon's time. I mean, it's, it's just, it's gotten weirder and weirder and, and, uh, certainly uh, riddled with uh, ideological problems and public relations problems from uh, their affiliation
2: with uh, religious fundamentalism, mm-hmm. and and of course their obsession with abortion, which unfortunately is going to rear its ugly head uh, in the uh, nominee who's who will succeed David Souter. I'm sure that this will be one of the main issues because let's face it, Souter was a swing a swing in- vote on indeed. this issue. Um, and uh, it will be I'm relatively confident that Obama will not have a problem with this nomination, but you wonder Um, and as for David Souter, uh, yeah once again another sort of mainstream Republican who's now called a liberal Yep. it's just bizarre because uh, Michael I I should have brought the exact quote in, but it was just (laughs) this guy is a disaster for uh, the Republican Party and the more uh, battles that he and Rush Limbaugh have publicly. Well,
1: the w- better. What Indeed, whatever is bad for the Republican Party is probably good for America at this point. Uh, they deserve uh, the
2: butt whipping that they're uh, so richly getting. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> Very important uh, article in today's New York ta- uh, Times, by the way, about a sort of investigation uh, retrospective. Uh, Into the uh, interrogation methods that divided the White House. And I I find this fascinating because it turns out that uh, George Bush, in a proclamation issued on June 26, 2003... So
1: it's the articles calling it a proclamation or did Bush call it a proclamation? No, no, no. no.
2: This is I'm quoting Mark uh, Mazzetti okay. and Scott Shane so here. Presidents
1: typically don't make proclamations. That's such a regal uh, epithet.
2: Yeah. Well, I what, proclaim. What's funny about this is that it was it was uh, marked. It was basically an honor of marking the United Nations International Day in support of victims of torture. Um, this is incredible. Bush uh, declared the United States is committed to. The worldwide elimination of torture, and we are leading the fight by example, quote unquote. Mr. Bush declared vowing to prosecute torture and to prevent other cruel and unusual punishment.
1: Gee, for the guy who named Jesus as his favorite philosopher, take the moat from, take the, the beam from your own eye, dude.
2: Anyway. Complain about the specking and in others. Whoa. What's fascinating about this, of course, is that the truth was far different. Um, <laughs> needless to say. And um, lo and behold, the CIA, the agency's top lawyer, Scott Mueller, called the White House to complain. He said the statement by the president could unnerve CIA interrogators and Mr. Bush had authorized to use brutal tactics on members of al-Qaeda, Mr. Mueller said, raising fears that political winds would change and make them scapegoats. So this goes into the sort of battle between the factions Mm -hmm. within the Bush White House regarding um, the uh, waterboarding and torture. How enthusiastic should we be, and uh, who's likely to be culpable if this comes out? Comes out, indeed. So we got into a CYA uh, situation uh, eventually, and Mazzetti and uh, Shane, I think, significantly report that uh, the consensus of top administration officials about the CIA's interrogation program, which they had approved without debate or dissent in 2002, began to fall apart. (laughs) Acutely aware that the agency, the CIA, would be blamed if the policies lost political support, nervous CIA officials began to curb its practices much earlier than most Americans know. This is important. No one was waterboarded after March 2003, and coercive interrogation methods were shelved altogether in 2005. Well, how fascinating. The waterboarding all took place between uh, the capture of a couple of important al-Qaeda uh, suspects um, in 2002 and the selling of the war. Of course, in June uh, June 26th of 2003, George Bush had recently, um, you know, Performed the mission accomplished stunt mm. and was riding high. He uh, thought that the Iraq war was a, going to be a smashing success for him. Uh, he, in fact, on the 2nd of July of 2003, encouraged the uh, terrorists in Iraq to, quote, bring it on, if you'll remember. So we began seeing the Bush morphing from top gun goon to. Shane, Shane, come back, come back, to Bubble Boy eventually while the uh, uh, insurgency began to deteriorate. And it's just fascinating to get more detail. And I would highly recommend uh, listeners out there to read today's uh, uh, article, which uh, ironically appeared on the midsections of the paper to sort of understand this battle royale between the various advisors. Uh, Condoleezza Rice, of course, was going back and forth. Uh, She eventually began to uh, squabble with Dick Cheney over this, but as uh, Mazzetti and Shane report, the real trouble began on May 7th of 2004. The CIA inspector general, John L. Helgerson, in thousands of pages, he challenged the legality of the interrogation methods, found that interrogators were exceeding the rules imposed by the Justice Department, and questioned the effectiveness of the entire program. Interestingly, this was done, by the way, in which he began to examine uh, Japanese, German, Israeli, and British uh, procedures involving uh, POWs and interrogation sessions. Um, George Tenet knew that the inspector general's report would be a noose for the White House officials to hang the CIA on. And Mr. Tenet ordered a temporary halt to the harshest interrogation methods. So we have George Tenet, who, of course, eventually resigned, uh, as he put it, due to nervous strain and to spend more time with his family. (laughs) Hopefully they're not waterboarding each other. right? So anyway, uh, it's very important, I think, in, in this debate that we're continuing to have in our society about there should be prosecutions or investigations or commissions or whatnot, that the truth be exposed, that we get the chronology, the precise dates and times in which these issues were debated uh, in the Bush White House, and that we uh, actually do have some accountability. I think it's interesting that the Senate... um, of top Senate officials like Leahy and and Carl Levin are not quite as disposed to just sweep all this under the rug. And I think that's a good thing. Um, uh, Patrick Leahy, I think, had a a very um, appropriate uh, metaphor in which he said, I would rather read the book first before closing it. (laughs) And I think that is exactly where our nation needs to go.
1: Certainly for the historical record, if not for any uh, legal proceedings or criminal charges. Although it uh, it's not going to be as easy for uh, the likes of Condoleezza Rice to uh, shrug this off and kind of just put it behind them. Uh, I was reading somewhere over the weekend, perhaps in Maureen Dowd, that uh, Condoleezza Rice was recently kind of challenged... On campus, oh yeah, by Mm -hmm. a a student at Stanford. At Stanford, Mm -hmm. where she's uh, returned uh, returned to uh, her position as a professor to burnish her intellectual image, indeed. And she was called out by a student on a clarification on the definition of uh, whether or not waterboarding counts as excessive force, torture, et cetera. And it's probably on YouTube because uh, apparently it was videotaped, and uh, she doesn't really quite perform up to the. Expectations for a high-ranking former White House official.
2: Well, and needless to say, a lot of the waterboarding was used to, to try and create... She's probably horrified at the question, yeah. know, to be honest. She, she wants to forget it ever happened. She wants to forget... That wasn't me. That whole part of her life. She's turned over a new leaf. She's found Jesus, no doubt. I'm not that way anymore. I've reformed. <laughs> no, you've strayed. To quote May West. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just one final thing, because I'm going to re- revisit this, I think, a little more next week about the, some of the debates within the Bush administration, uh, because eventually uh, it's interesting that the uh, CIA continued to operate uh, empty prisons, uh, more on prisons in a second. But it notes that when Obama was sworn in on January 20th, the CIA still maintained a network of empty jails overseas where interrogators were still authorized to use physical pressure. Within 48 hours, Mr. Obama banned the methods. So there has been some change. Indeed. Well, uh, and uh, by the way, just a quick comment. I thought Obama's... uh, press conference for, for celebrating the, the 100th day. You know, he was his typical brilliant self. I think he performs superbly in those uh, formats, and you can uh, tell in comparison to his predecessors that, uh, with the exception, I would argue, of Bill Clinton, who I also thought was a master of that format, um, p- performs brilliantly in that sort of uh, environment. Hey, it's nice to have a guy who can think on his feet. That's the game. In, it's, it's, and answer the questions. Right. To some degree. Right, yeah. Because uh, obviously uh, a lot of the questions are sort of pre-tested. pre, you know, pre-tested. They know what they're going to say because they know what they're going to be asked to some degree because the issues are obvious. Right. And uh,
1: have all presidents sort of been held up to this uh mythical 100-day criteria that, as you say, the... No. ...historical, retroactive look back at, you know, oh, FDR's first 100 days.
2: No, in fact, if they had done an analysis of Bush's first 100 days, they would have discovered that he'd been on vacation, probably uh, 28 of them, and and, uh, was still learning uh, who the uh, prime minister of Pakistan was. From a briefing from Condoleezza Rice, no doubt. She's so smart. Uh, And efficient. (laughs) Well, uh, of
1: course, one of the things Obama has uh, been criticized for uh, is the difficulty in getting the heck out of Iraq, and uh, interesting uh, piece by uh, Rula Khalaf in the Financial Times over the weekend that uh, it's starting to get kind of weird again, and she says that that's not a reason uh, for the U.S. to delay its or postpone its withdrawal. But it is troubling that in the last couple of weeks, uh, 200 people in Shia areas uh, have been killed in bombings. Mm-hmm. And uh, she points out that if the, you know, I don't know what's the the term the uh, the beginner uh, army, the you know Iraq's recreated army, security forces, because of course one of the uh, acts of genius of the Bush administration was to dismantle all, you know, standing uh, organizations and operation in Iraq. The troop of Greenhorns. The troop of Greenhorns, baby troops. Um, will they be able to, you know, make these areas safe? Or will there be a, you know, return of the Shia militias, which sure. will then start attacking the Sunni areas? And so as the, you know, honest and and forthcoming military uh, spokespeople have been saying, ever since the, you know, legendary uh, improvements of the surge, which we've talked about a number of times, uh, that there are no permanent gains there. There's a sort of a fragile state, and uh, you're just, you know, a couple of uh, Shia militias responding to attacks on their neighborhoods away from a complete descent into the...
2: uh, uh, Blood feud. Well, fortunately, some troops are already uh, being withdrawn. Um, Of course, they're being moved to Afghanistan, but um, progress is progress, I guess. (laughs) And uh, getting out one country at a time. Yeah. Moving on to a bigger catastrophe. And I I heard a late-breaking story today that there was a terrible um, attack today in Turkey, uh, in one of the Kurdish areas. Um, so you begin to wonder about the the violence in Iraq. I think it's also important to remember that there's always, I've noticed, been a big increase in the spring months in violence. Uh, there seems to be something about warm weather that brings out the bombers. But, uh, you know, the obvious tensions in Iraq are, I cannot just be wished away or papered over. They're part of the reasons why this was such a blunder to begin with. Indeed. Bush was repeatedly warned about this. Uh, by all sorts of people, and it, I've just finished a book, by the way, by uh, about Prince Bandar, in which uh, the um, the Royal Highness, uh, leader of Saudi Arabia, Abdullah, just became infuriated with Bush's stubbornness not to address the Palestinian issue and try and press for overthrowing Saddam Hussein, which he did not regard, regard as a priority. And, and he's an old family buddy of the Bush uh, this clan. did amazing damage to American-Saudi relations. And, of course, Bandar was sort of trying to uh, play both sides of, of, sure. of, of the fence and uh, did some seem seeming uh, irreparable damage between the relationships. So mm-hmm. uh, Bush uh, flunks political science uh, yet again <laughs> despite the fact that Condi gave him an a <laughs> well he must have polished up an apple for teacher who was the first president of the
1: united states hey <laughs> <to watch> <laughs> <A. laughs> well anyway
2: we're uh, out of time uh, thanks to andrew for engineering so do stay tuned um yazoo city calling uh coming up next right here on wcbn fm ann arbor